Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. we have a special guest we've welcomed to the bar. We reached out to Kate Christensen after reading an article that she wrote for a website called Marketing Brew about, obviously, marketing and nostalgia. And we thought, marketing and nostalgia? Hey, that's us. That's right. So Kate is currently in the faculty of Indiana University. She's uh, she's no slouch either. She's produced movies for Disney, TV shows for Sony, and is very aware of pop culture. Uh, through both her background and ongoing research. So we talk about toys, we talk about food, childhood memories, uh, among many, many topics. And of course, the movie Airplane comes out. Of course, it has to. Um, So grab your favorite feel-good drink and join us as we jump into our conversation with Kate. You make me so jealous. I'm like, I've been meaning to stock the office, but it is not stocked. And here I am, just... well. It's one step behind. You, you had fair warning. You have no one yeah. to blame but yourself. Kind of like when this interview goes sideways or this conversation goes sideways again, you had fair warning and you have no one to blame but yourself. Well, no, it's because she she has to blame herself because she did agree to it. So. Yeah, it's all I mean, my it, fault it, somehow. It, I no, let's let's be it. fair. We'll cause it to go sideways, <laughs> but it will be your fault. This will for... be the go-kart race of interviews. Okay. Uh-oh. I know that I'm mean, not going to win hope... that one. I hope that doesn't mean we'll get thrown out again. Yeah, thrown out of our own bar. <laughs> our own bar, yeah. That's yeah. right. Anyway, so Kate, as we as we do gather in the bar, why don't you, so we reached out to you because you had an amazing article that caught our attention. Um, and it was, the the crux of it was nostalgia marketing, which naturally piqued our interest since we're designers, we cover pop culture. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us how you landed on this idea of nostalgia marketing? That's a good question. I don't actually know, but I, I can come up with a story. <laughs> um, kind of like us. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just like everything we research. <laughs> yeah, so I think part of it was, I, I used to work at Disney and um, when you walk around the parks, you realize there's this um, land t- land of tomorrow and there's the frontier. And you can just, you're going around a hub and you could go to the past or you could go to the future. And, and this seemed really interesting because I think in, you know, you all are both storytellers. In entertainment, we do this stuff all the time. It's normal. Any movie you watch, you're going back and forwards. But in the rest of the world, it doesn't get talked about that much. And it's a combination of that and and my grandma having some teacups that I accidentally got rid of. 
<laughs> and my mom getting super mad. <laughs> and I was like, if I had known what these teacups were worth, um, in terms of the connection to, to family history and to the people who come before, I would have taken care of those teacups forever. And, and I just wondered, well, what is the value of the past? And sometimes that's the past that's mine. So it's maybe, you know, that smash go-kart that you have, you know, in the back of the bar, you're like, this is, this is when I won. That's value, valuable to my lawyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to get evidence. that outside the law office. Yeah. You just, uh, be careful. I, I, I think they call that evidence. Elliot. <laughs> evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Keep Exhibit the police out Yeah. Um, and then, but then there's these things about like connection back backwards in time. So for me, um, when I was doing this work, um, my mom gave me this locket and it turned out it had been given to my grandmother's grandmother um, as an engagement piece. And it's from the 1890s. And I was like, wow, I'm attached to that, you know? And when I was a kid, my great aunt lived in Alaska and actually saved up so much stuff that her place became a museum. <laughs> because she just didn't throw newspapers away and just eventually piled up a museum. And, uh, um, and but she would send us driftwood from the bottom of the ocean. And I, this connection to like, who had seen this in the past? Who sorry. Had, what, oh, no, you're good. I'm sorry, sorry. I can't uh, hold it. Stick to stories and driftwood. Don't hold it. Don't just, yeah, I'm terribly allergic to driftwood. As soon as you say it, I just- Yeah, weird. you Ugh. never know. But it was this polarized, I mean, uh, petrified wood, right? From like thousands of years ago. And so you can think of this in, you know, Barbie's coming out, right? This connection to the people who came before. People aren't buying Barbie because it's the hot new toy. They're buying it because their moms had it and their grandmothers had it. So it's not even a connection necessarily to their personal memories, although it might be for the parent buying it, but sort of going back in time. And, and you can think about that too, in terms of, well, okay, we have so much stuff. Mm -hmm. This whole country, we keep kind of like my great aunt, right? Just piling it up. Not everybody can make a personal museum. <laughs> Nobody wanna, wants to come into that house, right? You, we all have people in our family where you're like, stop. Um, so you have all this stuff. And one of the questions that we started out with was also, well, how do you help people get rid of things? And, and we asked this question because American houses are bigger than ever before. Mm -hmm. There are fewer people living in them than ever before. And yet we're spending more on storage than ever before. Mm -hmm. So there's just, we're, we're becoming owned by our possessions. And so what we found is that when you emphasize this connection to the past, then a person is more likely to, to sell it for a lower price or even to part with it at all if they feel like the buyer shares that same connection. So it's a way to get things moving through markets so they're not just trapped at home, but you can share them. Other people can enjoy them. We can reuse things instead of uh, buying new ones. So Kate, I think the, uh, the word nostalgia has kind of a built-in positive memory right. to it. Um, you think from your research, do you, have you seen that when we think about the past, we tend to gloss over the negative stuff and remember the positive stuff so like when uh when when we're talking about um a movie like yeah. 
I, I may enjoy it more now as I'm recalling it than I did when I was actually watching it. Is, is that something that relates to your work? Yeah, there's a lot of interesting work on nostalgia. And I think that's true, right? Because if you think about yourself, you existed at all of these different ages before. Yeah. And those people, those past selves, they can't come back to you. You can't become them. But what you can connect to is that feeling in that time. So for a lot of people, that's like whatever music they listen to in high school right. is really big for the rest of their lives, right? And we also have this sense, there's this sense of the end of history where um, it's an illusion, but we feel that we changed so much in the past and we're not gonna change that much in the future. So you wanna be connected to these things that mark that change because that's the arc of your life and it gives you value. And so it could be something that say you loved when you were 20, but for a lot of people, like when the tie-dye stuff became you know, big on TikTok, um, that was because of connection to a past generation, right? right. Like people hadn't, they hadn't worn the, the tie-dye before, but there's this idea of like retro California that, you know, has become big also in fashion and stuff like that. So it's this idea of, yeah, this wonderful time in the past. And if I can connect to that, um, then maybe my life feels better today. If you had to put a pin in an age that we would be, to be that most impressionable, like our favorite music, favorite movie, mm. whatever, our favorite thing. Um, you said 20 before, I think, but if you had to put a pin in a few years, when would you say we automatically recall, if if you ask us the best, the time of our life, what, what age would that be? Aside I mean, from when, when Todd first met me. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that, that, yeah. And for you, it's clearly the go-karts. <laughs> oh, okay. We've been thrown out of Outback Steakhouse. Oh. We've been well. through through lots of adventures together. Yeah, we just we didn't uh, we we weren't able to get up enough speed in the uh, Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, yeah, they caught up to us there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, it's a great question. I think it depends kind of on what your life was, right? So yeah, yeah. You know, if you know, there's that Bruce Springsteen song, right, about glory days. Yeah. So about that baseball pitcher. And so if that's you and say you were, you know, an athlete or a homecoming queen or whatever, um, that may be it. You know, we all peak at different points. You know, for some people, maybe it's college. For some people, it's when they first got married or had, you know, a kid. Yeah. Um, or, you know, when they traveled somewhere. And they first felt, I think it's the beginning of feeling like a whole person that feels like it's connected to who you wanted to be as a little one. Yeah. And and it's seen by others. You feel seen and you feel like your best self. So yeah, I think often that's sort of like 15 to 25 probably. Yeah, yeah. And that's the time when um, I think we are attuned to pop culture stuff that's happening you know in our in our world so that that stirs up those nostalgic memories for us particularly ellie and me I mean, you you've heard our podcast you know we can go on and on about those things yeah no i mean it's a great point because later um you know everybody's in high school together and you're forced to be with all of these different people so you're really connected in a way that you probably never will be again yeah you're your cohort like everybody's the same yeah. 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 
Piggybacking on something Todd just mentioned, how does nostalgia figure into this bigger idea of pop culture? So we've talked about, you know, generations, like you talked about tie-dye, for example, and like rediscovering something from the past. We've talked about, you know, 15 to 25 roughly is when you discover things. And, you know, when you think about you go to like um, a party and everybody plays a certain, you know, it's not really a mixtape anymore, right? <laughs> a certain group, yeah. group of songs <laughs> goes crazy or a certain movie comes on. And if you are with a certain group of people, you might have some people that are like, oh, I remember this movie was my first date when I saw this movie. And other people might say, oh, I remember seeing this movie with my dad. This is one of the funniest movies. And other people might be like, I've never even seen this movie. So is there a scenario where an object or a moment or, you know, a song or a, a movie or a TV show or whatever it is, is it also the environment? Is it also the people you're with? Is it is the is is the memory auditory and visual and also, I, I guess, environmental, for lack of a better word? Yeah, it's a good question. It sort of makes you think of like smell-o-vision that, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, they used to have in theaters. Yeah. And, and, and in some ways, they also do this for people, you know, coming back from war, right, as a way of processing what happened, like having the smells come out. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, and, and you, people have that feeling with flowers, right? Like you can find a scent that takes you back very directly. So in some cases, yeah, the environment could be extremely strong. And I think you can see that certainly with perfumes, right? Where it'll, it, you know, that'll go, that'll connect people across generations because that scent is connected with the brand, which is connected with the story, which is connected with becoming beautiful and, and all of these kinds of things, which is connected with going out and, and love and all of these connections. Um, but yeah, I mean, pop culture is sort of this, you're trying, this, this attempt to reach so many people in so many different ways as simply as possible. And so that's nearly impossible to do and and it's easier to do if there's yeah these connections like you're talking about like okay does it connect to um you know for a disney for example you have the mouse ears but when i was there they were putting the r2d2 ears on the kids just like the mouse ears so that's connected totally to an environment because these are families used to putting on r2d2 ears. i mean sorry mouse ears right which are kind of feminized disney is a pretty feminine brand so they want to use that motion that people are familiar with to sell something else and expand the brand to boys and so yeah so that's the context and it's this place of giving um, when you're at the parks it's often parents giving to children so then it takes them back um, to what their parents gave to them to maybe what their you know what their grandparents experienced and so for a brand that's really it right because if you can create some kind of memory that hits people in all these different ways. Like for some people, Mickey is say ears. For some people, it's the beginnings of animation. For some people, it's just coming to a theme park where people are friendly. You know, it's all these kinds of things. And so if you can have all of these sources in, in a brand that is tight enough, I mean, that's basically pop culture. And, you know, when you were with Andy Warhol, that's the Campbell's soup, right? That's this thing that 
um, is so common, but also so associated with giving that when people see it in a different context, it feels familiar, but also it really hits different in a way that makes it viral. Pop culture is really uh, that alignment of more people sharing the similar emotion uh, to an object or a movie, a TV show, or, or something like that idea of the ears that you said, like uh, that, that obviously they're uh, iconic, but if more people had the same reaction to R2-D2 ears, then that becomes more of a pop culture um, artifact then, right? Yeah, I think so. And you could take maybe the same movement, the same yeah. giving of parent to child and attach it to a different thing. So in yeah. one case, it's a mouse or it's Minnie. It could be Minnie or Mickey, right? And then in another place, um, for a different family, they get a similar type of passage of from from father to son, or from mother to daughter, father to daughter, um, with a different kind of um, toy. But like the source memory might be this putting on things at the park, and also seeing something in a movie theater, and also just feeling like you know, overwhelmed and in outer space. And then you, if you can take all of that and put it on your head, the head of a person who you hope is gonna go to places you'll never see and, and live a life that is, is beautiful and wonderful, then you've kind of connected to what pe parents want for their kids also. Thinking about um, characters, whether it's R2-D2, Mickey Mouse, or, you know, pop culture and advertising, and products are littered with so many different characters, whether it's yeah we've talked about like Big Boy or Ready Kilowatt or Jolly Green Giant or Toucan Sam or Tony the Tiger, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Do companies and marketers create these characters as kind of this tangible gateway into all of these emotions that we're talking about? Like it harkens back to like uh, uh, even objects. I'll give you one example. Um, when I was little, one of the first toys I remember was Fisher Price had this barn and the barn had all of these, you know, character animal characters. And it had like the little Fisher Price, you know, I guess I'll call them figures that were in the tractor and everything like that. But what I remember most about yeah. the barn is when you open the door, the barn would move. Mm -hmm. that. And then the silo that came with the barn, all the toy, all the characters and everything would fit in the silo. And that was kind of the container with a cap to the silo. So probably about 15 years ago, I was at an industry toy and gift show and Fisher Price was exhibiting there and they had the barn there. And I got so excited because I literally hadn't seen the one my parents had for my brother and I since I was little, you know, it was in storage somewhere. And so I went up to it and I started playing with it and started taking it apart and it didn't move. And uh, so I turned to the person, I said, this, this is no good. This isn't right. Yeah. And, and they were this, it was a, a woman who was maybe like 15, 20 years older than me. So like, you know, roughly between my age and my mother's age. So between the person who played with the original toy and the person who bought the original toy. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, what do you mean? It's it's not right. I said, well, it doesn't it doesn't move like it doesn't do the one thing I think was 
the most special thing about this toy, like any toy you can pick up and play with and manipulate, but the fact that it had this specific sound to it when you did this specific thing, I didn't realize until that moment that that's what gave that toy personality to me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I felt bad or not bad, but confused that Fisher Price, the originators of that, wouldn't understand that that was what made that toy so special. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's great. And you could think about, you know, how did they make that toy? I mean, it might have been, you know, some designer somewhere just being like, wouldn't this be really cool? And just yeah, talking yeah. about it enough that they slid it in. But, you know, how companies work over time is, you know, if the market isn't growing, the way you make money is by shrinking the product. And so you think, well, that's kind of expensive. Like, do we really need that? Or maybe, you know, to some people it's annoying. The kid's doing this all the time, you know? And, um, and you, yeah, I think that that is what defines a, a killer brand experience is that you don't really know why it works. You only know that when one piece that you needed is subtracted, it's no longer there. So there's probably other pieces that you needed too. So it's not just the mooing, but the mooing was really sold it for you. There isn't that much work on sound. Uh, There's a lot on touch, some great work by Joanne Peck and Suzanne Chu, but like, I think sound is, it's, it's, it's would be great to study more. I'm super interested in it. And I I think it's a great, um, great point to bring up that this, this sound that, you know, I don't know if you grew up on a farm, but I'm guessing probably not, right? But accuse me of asking if I was born in a barn. <laughs> I hope so. Years I thought it was born in a bar, and I said, yeah. <laughs> he just he just acts Dropping like a jackass. He, he wasn't he wasn't raised near them. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what what about um, another thing I was thinking of, and I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine about this last week. Um, not Todd. I, I turns out I have two friends. Um, so the other oh. one, and um, and we were talking about pizza because you generally get introduced to pizza when you're a little kid. Yeah. And I was talking about how I stumbled on. I won't. I won't name any brands, but you know, a lot of times my family will get national chain pizza, and I've always thought, eh, you know, it's okay, but it's always missing something. And then we tried um, another chain. It's like, I don't know if it's national. It's certainly in the eastern half of the U.S. And I was like, this is it. Like, this tastes, the sauce tastes almost exactly like what I have in my brain the being from the local pizza place when I was growing up where my parents still live. Literally, them now outside of Cleveland, I still, my mom will just say, well, I imagine you want pizza for dinner. (laughs) And, you know, this has been true for 40 whatever years. And um, what was interesting, though, is so I looked up where this company is headquartered because I was thinking, you know, they've got to be in the Midwest somewhere, in the north somewhere. And it turns out they were in Toledo. And I was like, that, I think, is why I like this sauce so much, because it reminds it's a couple hours away, you know, whatever from Cleveland. It had a regional flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, that like triggered that childhood latent joy. Right. Kind of like the moo, Mm -hmm. although it was it was the 
with the pizza sauce, it was the presence of that, you know, whatever amount of oregano or garlic or whatever it was that made it align with what I was imprinted in my memory, although I couldn't articulate it until I tasted it. Same way I couldn't articulate what I loved about that Fisher Price barn until they got rid of the moo. Yeah, they took it away. So I have a, a related story about pizza as well. It's we had um, so my wife and I, uh, we actually kind of grew up near each other, but we never met until we were uh, in high school. And there was a, um, a skating rink that was very, very popular that all the kids would go to and they served um, pizza. And it obviously wasn't great pizza. It was at a skating rink. But my wife and I went to a local restaurant and we got a pizza and it had the same spices to it that this um, skating rink pizza had. And we loved it. We were like, oh my gosh, this this tastes just like, you know, Aww. pizza we used to get when, when we were younger. Um, and although she and I were never there at the same time that we know of, it was one of those, those like cohesive memories that brought us uh, closer together. But isn't that funny? Like it wasn't, it's not a spectacular food. It wasn't a preference like Elliot's, but it was like that, that scent, that aroma, that taste just immediately went to that place in the brain. Yeah. I remember the skating rink pizza. That's some good pizza. It, you know, it, uh, yeah, it just, uh, it, it worked. Um, Todd, how come you and I have never gone on a date together to the skating rink? <laughs> well, you know, we'd probably get thrown out, but we should try that. I think we totally should try. We that. should totally do that if we can find the skating rink. That we'll You've got to go. There's still some. You yeah. should definitely do it. Yeah, we we should. Um, Future remote uh, podcast from the skating rink. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Broadcasting live. That's right. Um, hey, I have a question for you. This Elliot asked this question to me um, on a um, on a previous episode. And I, it relates to nostalgia, um, probably not all of your work, but I would love your opinion on what movie, if you're flipping the channels, you stop and watch no matter what, no matter when, it's your guilty pleasure movie that you are just clicking through. And you don't have to say Airplane because it's one of, it's Elliot and my <laughs> favorite movie, but you can say that too. Um, so is there such uh, uh, a film that would do that for you? I mean, off the top of my head, it's probably When Harry Met Sally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, they're just so cute. And it's just this fun trip and she's feisty and he's hilarious. And, you know, you also have Princess Leia in there. It's, it's a good time. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. That's a good one. Um, the, can you happen to guess what Elliot's was? Wait, it's not airplane. No, he he actually we decided that was too easy, so he gave. And, he, and, he also, if you notice, like the bar, there's an airplane poster, and on, uh -huh. and where Todd's sitting, airplane is on the television. Yeah. Oh. And there's a tarantula poster here, which we talked about. Back of the fifty football. That's not not. Yeah, you're very. Matching. Well, we're in the same bar. We're in the same. We're just facing different directions. Um, but it's a. Uh, uh -huh. So Elliot's. Oh, well, we should tell. Yeah. <laughs> we should not go too far off topic. But Todd, yeah. 
uh, many moons ago, I got my wisdom teeth out. Oh, no. God, <laughs> eagerly in hindsight, uh, from my perspective, volunteered to drive me home from my appointment. I had a Polaroid camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Among, among the shenanigans, uh, I remembered in my drugged up state, I remembered that Todd had airplane on beta. Yeah. And he had in a hall closet oh. a beta tape player with did you have any other movies on beta or was it I just... did, but but it was you know that because Elliot was like, Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah, Todd was like, is there any I was like, okay, okay. The airplane. <laughs> we'll get out the Betamax and, and yeah. put on airplane, but tell them tell the memory you have of that with the the dust square. Oh yeah. So <laughs> He, it's on the shelf in the this top shelf in the hall closet, and he pulls it out. And it's this little unit, you know, great. It turns out it was extra great. He removes the remote control from this thing, and there is this bare patch, this like plastic patch, and everything else was covered in this great fuzz. Yeah, it was like pool table felt. But we watched it. Uh... Yeah, it still worked. So, okay, okay. So that's we... a high res version. Yeah, I, Betamax is a higher quality. Beta is a solid. That's that's for some like outputs of old school edits. That that's that's good quality. So so I found that, and maybe it was the drugs, maybe it was the quality of footage, but I found Airplane to be twice as funny that day. <laughs> it was, it was. But uh, tell Kate your guilty pleasure movie that you told me. Oh, uh, my guilty pleasure movie is Big Trouble in Little China. Oh. oh. I was thinking of Big Lebowski, but that's a little different. I I absolutely love that movie, but I love that one. That'd be great. I don't feel guilty about that. Yeah, it's true. It's so good. I I have come home and I've just been by myself watching it, and there'll be tears pouring down my face. I'm laughing so hard, and my wife asks, she's like, "What is going on? What are you doing?" And I'll just say, "I'm watching the Big Lebowski," and she'll just shake her head and walk in the other room. Yeah, so that's quality. Yeah, I love the Big Lebowski. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. So, Kate, mm-hmm. we've asked you a bunch of questions. What have we not asked you that uh, you think our listeners, our pop culture junkie listeners, might want to know, or that we or, haven't or just our regular junkie listeners? Yeah. Who are these junkies? I know. Are they listening to? They're not, they're they're fine people. They, there, there are three of them, and they listen. To <laughs> they're, they're, they're very observant. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, what, what else should I talk about? Um, I don't know. I could talk about the Barbie movie since it just came out. Have I don't you know if they're it? interested in that. What? Have you seen it? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. We're I, going this week. I haven't then. seen it. my wife. Seen it? I have not seen it. Are you? Yeah. Gonna, did you do the Barbieheimer thing? I we're, we're, we so the. It's three hours. So we've been yeah. trying, but also then we want to see the IMAX. And so yeah. then we're like, we have to drive for an hour to get to the IMAX plus three hours plus oh, an wow. hour back. Yeah, so it's been hard, but yeah. we've been planning on it. Um, yes. But yeah, that is the plan. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, just because it's it's this doll. Yeah. Um, from forever ago that was originally created in Germany by somebody else, basically uh, taken by by somebody in the US 
and a doll that would, you know, it would have a scale that would say like, if you want to go on a diet, like don't eat, you know, and this, <laughs> this, yeah, I mean, this doll that was in human proportions, uh-huh. how that doll from the fifties, which had like potential lawsuit, you know, international copyright violations, how that became the biggest movie in America this year. That's pretty crazy to me. And, and that's um, almost 70 years in the making. So you think about how old that doll is. I mean, that's several generations. That's like grandparents doll mm -hmm. um, yeah. or great grandparents even. What was it Boond Lily or whatever it was called in Germany? Oh yeah, yeah, Burned Lily or something. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm gonna butcher the name. Something Lily for sure. The co-founder of Mattel, it was a couple who founded Mattel and it was a woman who found it in Germany on a trip, right? And brought it back. And then she named it Barbie because her daughter was named Barbara <laughs> and was playing with the doll and like making it talk and do these things. And she was like, huh, I should just make this a thing. Yeah. And so when we talk about like, what is it that hits? It's like, well, it's this girl wanting to look like the ideal woman, partly. It's the mom saying, oh, I feel like if this sold somewhere else, this could sell here. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of the classic bathing beauty look that's, you know, that's going backwards in time. But but today, I mean, they've made a lot of moves in terms of diversity and a lot of talk about, you know, there's a lot of political stuff. But but at, at some level, this is not something that's new, that's made to connect with the culture today. This is a company that in 2015 was having trouble and wasn't able to sell their, their toys. They're starting to go down. And then they completely shift everything. They're no longer selling toys, they're now selling IP and they're basically selling stories. And so it's this, how do I become a person is sort of the story of Barbie now. How does this classic American archetype who, you know, you could kind of see Pamela Anderson, Baywatch is coming out of Barbie. Mm -hmm. Um, and then today, like the first female director who's been, you know, as successful commercially as basically any directors ever. Um, mm -hmm. so you have this, this passage in some ways, it's not that different than, um, than Star Wars, right? Like this passage from mother to daughter and this change maybe in what people want to look at, like, but, or who they think we are, um, but really it's this connection to the past that is what's selling it. And in 2015, what the brand said is that this is embarrassing to give this doll to people. Moms weren't giving it at, at, yeah. um, at parties. They weren't bringing the doll. And so they've had this, this big flip now. Well, you know, yeah. Do you think, um, I, have, I haven't seen the movie, but just seeing the trailers, but it seems to me that they, they struck the right tone with this movie and that there there's everyone is saying we're in on this joke like yeah like like the, i mean hold your criticism that this doll lives in a perfect world and has a, you know a perfect everything um like you can hold that because we're all in this we like that's yeah. part of the joke right so i mean i think they they hit um greta gerwig hit the right tone with that I mean, clearly, yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah. So if you think of that in terms of Campbell's Soup, right? Like this is yeah. something that was super basic. People are not like, I'm not like coming to my friend's house, rolling up with some Campbell's Soups, yeah. you know, that's not what you're doing. 
but yet you spin it enough and suddenly it looks really iconic. It is iconic, but you didn't realize it. To you, it was boring. You yeah. flip it enough and, you know, for Andy Warhol, that's putting in a museum, changing what it looks like, you know, doing all these kinds of artistic techniques on it and shifting completely to your point earlier, the environment and the cues and all these kinds of things that we associate with value. Yeah. So you take this doll that people don't want to bring anywhere, you make it the star of this big movie, you give it a sort of classic character arc that um, Mattel has never done before. I mean, it's it's they, they've made a lot of stuff for Disney and they're sort of taking that playbook. Um, like almost like in some ways you could see it as Pinocchio or something like that. Mm -hmm. And becoming a real girl. Very wow, I, I hope um, other... I hope other toy makers don't catch on and decide to start marketing their stuff like, you know, TV shows and movies because, gosh, I don't know what that would be like. It'll never happen. <laughs> never. Never yeah, happened before, so. never happen again. Don't let yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, you're bringing up a great point, um, and this was something I hadn't thought of until you brought up Barbie. And there's, there's two sides to every... Um, character or uh, memento or whatever you want to refer to it as it spans generations and that is um, each iteration of this thing is sort of in a fixed state from when it was introduced at that moment in time yeah and then there's also the update or the adaptation to whatever current tastes and social um boundaries or whatever you want to refer to it as like thing the brands also have to evolve yeah. and so thinking about nostalgia there have definitely been points in pop culture where you will have between generations people who maybe love something because they remember it from when they were little and it's sort of in amber in the sense of it is of that time Right. And you have people today, like a younger generation, a daughter or granddaughter or whomever, who look at the original thing and they just, you know, based on current values or perspectives or context. And it's like, how could you have liked that? Like, mm -hmm. how could you call yourself a good person and yet you love this thing that obviously has all these sexist qualities or racist qualities or whatever yeah. it happen to be depending upon the thing that's a great question and i you know it's it's part of the sort of war between generations right that is human life which is that when you're very little you might want to be exactly like your dad but usually by the time you're an adult you want something else and and they don't want to be like their dad exactly but there's stuff that you love about that person so you can think of this as kind of in a brand that's really hitting it's kind of a familial relationship certainly in the land of toys and, mm -hmm. and you know entertainment so you have this past of america of what is 1950s america you know does it include everybody what do, you know do are women really working so much you know, and if, if those aren't the values that um, your family has today, then you have to acknowledge that. This is why I think the, the Barbie marketing campaign really was, I mean, will be studied for a long time is because they acknowledged everything bad about the past and, mm -hmm. and maybe to a fault, right? Mm -hmm. 
you know, maybe that could have been lighter, but it was commercially completely successful. And by acknowledging the past, they were able to distance themselves from these bad parts of the history because they claimed it. And then they could take the good parts. Well, what's the good part? The good part is this connection across time and this like maybe female empowerment or just fun and pink and just like being in a girly world. And and so they got to keep that. And I, I haven't really seen any other company actually do that um, ever uh, in the toy space, at least, where they say constantly, and you could hear them in any interview, it would be like, we know that some people don't like this for these reasons, or my mom didn't let me do this for these reasons, or, you know, in the past it looked like this. And they would constantly lead by acknowledging that. And that left them this huge space to play in because they'd already put, said that they're, they're not about that, but then you have still this love. So you have these, like with your parents, right? Like if your parents come to you and you know, everybody has stuff. And they say, you know, that stuff that happened, that was not good. But I, you know, I'm still here. I love you. You know, I want to do these, you know, I want to be a part of everything, right? I mean, there's something so like almost Greek about that, you know, that's, it's just sort of a, how life works, what everybody's, you know, what these, these dreams of a hero leaving and returning are about is the hero wasn't maybe the greatest at the beginning. You know, they went far, it's, far away and came back a different person, a better person. It's Greek. I think the pronunciation is Euro. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. In addition to not having the fat tire, I'm out of Euro. So um, <laughs> next time, please ship these because. <laughs> the food truck here in the bar, I think, is. Yeah. yeah. The food truck's slow. I mean, I put it in the order. I don't, I don't know. I know. I know. We're, we're not hosting you very well. Are we? <laughs> You're terrible. Um, we will next time. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Kate, we, uh, as you know, on this podcast, so pop culture is a very, very wide gamut, obviously. Yeah. We've talked about taste, yeah. TV shows, movies, go-kart racing, among many, many other subjects Todd and I are both experts in. Uh, what do you think what other things maybe should we be focusing on what is something that's maybe atypical that is often overlooked that through your nostalgia lens your marketing lens your pop culture lens something that's maybe an aha moment or an interesting twist on something that doesn't maybe get the the play that it should in popular culture Wait, so that doesn't get talked about or isn't as popular or, as it should be? Or, or maybe, let me say it, let me ask it this way. Yeah. Um, where is there a great story about something that is so well known, but no one knows the story? Oh, see, this is why you, An, uh, you run the podcast and I don't. Because <laughs> you can come up with these things. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I don't know. I, I'm going to say that the thing that I've been most interested in is how Ukraine has been able to use this history and these stories and sort of, and, and Russia's done it in their own way on the other side of it. But it's, I think when we, when you think about pop culture, a lot of what we think about is sort of when America was strongest globally, which is sort of, it's a post-war period. And so 
a lot of that culture is coming out of the war and what happens after it. And so to me, it's interesting to look at, um, you know, Ukraine's been all over the map. They've been at, you know, Cam Lion. They've had all these ad agencies working for them. They've been in Vanity Fair. They've been doing all of these things to become, to some extent, iconic, partly because they need money mm -hmm. um, to defend their country. And Russia, on the other hand, is worried about losing support. So they've also created this sort of, it's a little bit more of a, it feels a little bit more socialist kind of thing where a lot of drills and stuff like that. But you can see that and all of the objects associated with that having sort of lifelong resonance for those kids. And um, that's more of a state-driven version of it. Um, we kind of think of, in our country, I think mostly pop culture comes from companies and artists. Right, right, but, products. But not always, right? Things that you buy, yeah. Yeah, things that you buy. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and um, that's uh, obviously we're we're not immune to advertising and marketing, um, you know, as humans, and um, those are the things that we look at putting um, more value into. For instance, like um, your your grandmother's teacups. Sorry to bring yeah. up a sorry a bad subject, <laughs> but but if you had if they had a price tag on them that was like these are twenty five thousand dollar teacups, you would be like, oh, like I'll I won't throw these yeah, away. For sure. But it's because it had no value when you found it. Um, yeah. Not not that it was a monetary value anyway, but you know what I mean. Like if if you had assigned a value to it, you would have had a um, it would have been a different outcome for them. Yeah, and I think we could think of that also with natural resources and you know our land, right? Like if you think about the people who were there before, yeah. then maybe you feel differently about selling those rights because right. there's this history and you want to be connected to that. And so, yeah, you could think of that as also changing how we value just the land we're on, the oceans around us, um, the air we breathe, that kind of a thing. I have this um, friend who's they can basically take trees and, and make it into essentially like an object that will put the carbon in the earth for thousands and thousands of years. But you can imagine even just holding that object and that being a beautiful object because it's connected to, you know, something that's much longer than us. I think as humans, we just want to be connected to, to the people around us, just like, you know, in high school, we maybe were or weren't, but certainly wanted to be, but also just this long arc of time that we don't get to be a part of. And so these brands, they how old is Mickey? Mickey is so old, yeah. <laughs> you know? Barbie's older than any of us. And, and yet they'll live past us. I was thinking out loud for a second. I wonder what the oldest brand is. I've never really thought about that. Mm. I know that, like, I th I believe we could obviously fact check this, and maybe it's just because I'm in a bar, but I think Bass Ale is really old. Like, I think they're hundreds of years old. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah I think it would be. I think it would be a financial institution um, uh, or something like maybe. from from Europe. Like Lloyd's of London or something. Like Lloyd's of London. Lloyd's of London, the East India Company, basically the British Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dutch East India was the first 
you know, that was the first company to offer stock. They were the first publicly traded company in the, I think, the 1600s. So, you know, they oh. had to do something to get people to buy their stock. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it, as you're talking, going back to your mentioning of Ukraine and Russia, there's an interesting, it's like, where do you draw the line? When is something marketing and when is it propaganda? I mean, so, right. So that's the interesting question because at some level, you could argue that all marketing products is propaganda because it's just, you're just selling stories. You're not, there's no, there's no expectation that there's truth there. When you go to see, you know, Pinocchio or Tarantula, you're not like, I want to know what really happened. Yeah. Um, so then whatever story is told around that just adds to it. But I think for nations, um, I think propaganda is used when people don't like it at some level. I do think that there's this like, this is something we're losing, right? Which is also, I think, why we feel like brands become more important because there's this imagine community where, you know, we all, you know, two generations ago, say, we're all watching the same television show, you know, we're, we're listening to a limited selection of radios. If we're reading the newspaper, we get one newspaper and it's local. And our lives, then we go to the same schools. Nobody's off, you know, there's not all these different school choices, right? It's very contained in some ways. And so, um, for good reasons and bad reasons that has shifted. And what that means is that as a country, maybe the brand of the nation is suffering. The brand of the royal family is still strong, but like less strong than before. And, and so then how do we connect? We connect through interests. We connect through, you know, Corona or, you know, um, our tribes. What? Our tri we, we connect through our tribes. That's something yeah. I really thought that we, like you have a Coke tribe, you have a Pepsi tribe. Right. And yeah, then well, you have, yeah, yeah. you have a Coke tribe and you have a much smaller Pepsi tribe. Yeah, I, I guess you're a Coke fan. <laughs> I'm actually a Pepsi fan. Oh, oh, I should have guessed for the Mountain Dew. Is that a pe Pepsi product? Yes. Um, Mountain Dew is or a Pepsi it? product. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, I think that's, that's one of those things. Um, I forgot what tabloid it was, like a National Enquirer, some one of those things. But back in the day when my mom would buy those at the grocery store, they would always have these personality quizzes. Yeah. Like, uh, the kind of car you drive reveals your personality. Well, duh. Yeah, I mean, it, that's that's research that has gone into that. You know, the kind of face powder you use reveals your personality. It's like, I always found that super interesting because I would love to predict what they say about the that character before it gets to the end. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it sounds like you were a marketer pretty early on, I, and I didn't even know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was I was into audience research then and didn't even know it. There you go. You've been you've been staying strong. Well, Kate, what what parting words of wisdom do you have for us aside from uh, we need to get a faster food truck parked out back? <laughs> Dude, yeah. Where's my euro? Yeah, where's my euro? <laughs> words of wisdom? I don't know. I or think that. Um, if you can find a story you love, share it and keep yeah. coming back to it. And that's a way of connecting to yourself across time. And it's a way of connecting to other people. 
And I think that is a beautiful thing that we all get to have. And it's in some sense free and, and yeah, it makes life better. That sounds like great advice. It does. We'll find something we, we like, Elliot, and, and then uh, we'll start <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> Wait, have you forgotten about your roller date already? Oh, I, well, that's right. The roller date. I'm going to need a FaceTime. Yeah, yeah, you will. You will. Well, when you're coming to visit in Chapel Hill, we'll do a we'll do a double roller date. Okay. You know, couple skate, reverse skate. Yeah. Shoot the duck. There's going to be all so many, just so many opportunities. Limbo, the hokey pokey. Oh, the hokey pokey! Yeah. I heard the hokey pokey. I have the hokey pokey song on my playlist, and I'm <laughs> uh, I'm I started at the very end of my iTunes. And I'm going to play them all the way th straight through. So it's just been playing continuously. Aww. And I heard the hokey pokey and I thought about the skate. Ring. Man, yeah. I, yeah. And I want you and your wife to have some more of that pizza. Just yeah, that's live right. Life. The party, we're going to do a podcast pizza party at the roller rink. At the roller I'm rink. There. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank uh, you appreciate so much. appreciate all of your time. This was so enjoyable. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Todd and Elliot. Appreciate you. All right, bye. I'm Sarah, the Paper Nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on the paper fold where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, the Paper Fold, now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.